You have reached the dumb Christian, and today we are talking about circumcision in Genesis chapters 17 and 18 as we explore this covenant that God is making with Abraham in this ancient text called the Bible and how this covenant is going to offer and provide for Israel a forever home in the land of Canaan. The Bible is about to get very real. It will get graphic, so be prepared for that. We might get a little bit colorful, so buckle up and welcome to Dumb Christian. It has been 24 years since God first called Abram out of Ur into Haran, where Terah set up, and then out of Haran into the land of Canaan, and gave him this promise. He said, I am going to give you kids galore. As many as stars are, that's how many your descendants will be. Abraham, Abram, excuse me, was like 75 at the time. Now he's 99. So it's been 24 years where God has been continually saying, I promise I'm going to do this thing. In the meantime, I want you to sojourn in the land of Canaan. I promise I'm going to do this thing. In the meantime, there's a famine. I swear I'm going to give you kids. But in the meantime, I want you to go rescue your nephew Lot. In the So it's been this constant like God's promising Abram what he's going to do. Give him kids. And Abram is constantly like, okay, I hear what you're saying. So I'm going to act in faith, trusting you. And, and this process of Abram waiting for God has been giving him little glimpses. God has slowly been revealing himself to Abram and Sarah, his wife, Sarai, at his power and his provision, his faithfulness, his goodness, the way he protected Sarai when they were in Egypt, the way that he gave Abram what he needed to conquer those five armies of the north to rescue his nephew Lot. All of the while, God is showing that he's able to do incredible things and Abram is trusting him. And, and the main thing that he's waiting to see God deliver on this promise is kids. He still doesn't have... Okay, he had a kid with Hagar, an Egyptian princess who has who joined his family and in, in in an effort to try and um fulfill God's promise for him he has sex with Hagar so they have a kid Ishmael but he's still like waiting for God to fulfill this promise he's trusting that God's going to take care and I think maybe in his mind he thinks Ishmael might actually be the son that God promised and we're going to see that there. last time we talked about um, how Hagar was supposed to go back to Abram and Sarai and, and maybe work on some reconciliation. And I think some of that does happen. And we're going to get a glimpse of that here in a little bit. But God finally shows up and he says, OK, Abram, you know how I promised you your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. We're going to make this happen now. We're going to set this thing in motion. We're going to establish a new covenant. This covenant is going to involve circumcision, which we'll get to in a little bit. And your role in this covenant is to walk blamelessly. The, the actual Hebrew word here is complete, but a lot of times it's trans, translated blameless or perfect. Basically, he's saying you need to be completely whole and perfect as you walk before me in this covenant. And instead of responding with, okay, well, I'll give it my best, or yeah, I could do that, no problem. It says Abram falls on his face. And it's not like he tripped and face planted. He throws himself on the ground with this attitude of, I have to be perfect 
there's no way that I can be perfect. The best I can do is lay myself at your mercy. And God says, yeah, that's the response I was looking for. So since you're on board in the actual attitude that I want from this covenant of humility, I want humility from you. uh, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change it from Abram to Abraham. Everyone say Abraham. Yes, with emphasis on the ham. He also changes Sarai's name to Sarah. The only change in the spelling, the Hebrew spelling for both names, is adding the letter H, which is pronounced hey. Hey. That's the Hebrew word for what we would call H. And it's just added into the name. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means exalted father. They both mean the exact same thing. But what God is doing is he's saying to Abram, exalted father, I am going to make you a father of many nations, but it's not going to come out of your own endeavors. Because in the Jewish tradition, the culture, the heritage, there's a lot of symbolism. We've talked about the symbolism of numbers, 40, and um, some things like that. But the letter H, hey, is the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. H and the number five both represent grace. Grace is being given a gift you don't deserve. It even carries with it this notion that uh, you actually uh, shouldn't get this gift, but you're going to get it anyway. And so what God is doing is he's saying to Abram, I'm going to I'm going to make you a father of many nations. It's not going to happen on your own accord. It's going to happen because of my power and my grace. Not that you've earned it, not that you've achieved it, not that you've done anything to get it, but I'm going to give it to you cuz I love you and you're my buddy. And God says the reason he changes his name from Abram to Abraham is because he has already made him a father of many nations. Abraham has one illegitimate child. And yet God is saying that Abraham is already considered to be an exalted father of many nations. God is in essence saying, look, I said it's going to happen. If I said it's going to happen, it's as good as done. And throughout This journey that Abraham takes, it continually says, Abraham or Abram believed God. He trusted that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And God's saying, yeah, it's as good as done. Can you imagine waiting 25 years confident and just absolutely sure of, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know God's going to do this amazing thing. And yeah, I'm just living in absolute certainty of it. And just constantly hearing this, I promise I'll do it. Just wait. I promise I'll do it. Just wait. I, I don't, I don't know if I could, but Abraham manages to. And this covenant, God says this covenant is a a covenant not just between Abraham and God. Typically, a covenant is between two people, and they would both walk through the dismembered bodies of the carcasses of the animals, like in Genesis 15. And then the covenant ends when one of the participants dies. 
But God says he wants this covenant to be between him and Abraham and all of Abraham's descendants forever. This covenant, by the way, is going is, is like the final affirmation of I promise you're going to have lots of kids and they will inherit the land of Canaan as their nation. So how is this covenant going to work? Because does every descendant from Abraham have to walk between dismembered carcasses? Well, God says the way that we're going to establish this covenant between you, me, and all of your descendants is through something called circumcision. This is where we're going to get a little bit graphic. So just so that you are got a heads up. And we're going to be talking about penises. So typically, and the greatest, the, the great majority of males that are, 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 when they're born, have extra skin on their penis. This is called foreskin. So maybe you've heard this before. I'm giving you some urban dictionary stuff, maybe. Actually, it's probably in Webster's. Um, but it's extra skin that extends beyond the tip of the penis to act as like a protective sheath to protect it. Remember, when Adam and Eve were first created, they didn't have clothes or jock straps. So this acted as an extra barrier of protection when the penis wasn't erect. And it would kind of like hide and retreat <laughs> into the foreskin and, and be hidden, protected there. Circumcision is, is taking that skin peeling it back and holding it away from the penis and then taking a knife and cutting around the penis to remove the foreskin. And, and that's what circumcision is. And then you just throw it away. And God is saying, <clears throat> this is going to be the symbol between you and I and everyone who comes from you. Every male who's eight days old gets circumcised. This acted as a symbol, not that they're walking around with their pants down, showing everyone their circumcision, but it is a, an identifying marker for the man and his wife to, to remember and recognize they are active participants in this covenant. Why circumcision? It, it might seem barbaric. It might seem um, vulgar. Why is this necessary? The covenant requires the shedding of blood because remember when, when you walk between the dismembered carcasses, it's saying, if I don't keep this, my end of the deal, I'm as good as dead. You can shed my blood. The blood is also acts like as a signature, right? Like a stamp, um, cross my fingers, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye type of thing. So there's gotta be some form of blood shedding and it's not like, you know, you're bleeding out during circumcision, but there's some blood. And then the, uh, the like the final part of, of this covenant act of circumcision is that what's happening is Abraham is trusting his baby maker to the Lord. He is surrendering the protective sheath that covers him. And he's saying, I surrender my lineage. I surrender the baby making process. I surrender everything involved in my wing wang to the divine creator of it. Hmm? And it, 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 it's a constant reminder when that circumcision, when that cut heals, it actually forms a scar in the shape of a ring around the penis, a ring and a covenant. Does that sound like anything we may have heard of before? 
And every time that the man is going to use the restroom, every time that he bathes, washes, cleans himself, every time that he and his wife have sex or are even just naked together, it's a reminder, this member of my body, this part of my body is in active participation with the covenant of God and everything it's used for is part of that covenant. Am I using it in a way that participates in that covenant, just like a ring on the finger, right? My wife and I have um, tattoos instead of rings, but it's that constant reminder every time you look at it, like, oh yeah, we're part of this covenant. And it's not just to have a reminder, but it's that part of my body, which produces children, offspring, a lineage forever is part, is really that unifying factor of the covenant. I surrender this part of myself to God and he takes it and provides a family, a heritage, a lineage, a nation from it. And, and not really knowing how it's all going to work together. Like, okay, again, this is one of those things where God says, I promise I'm going to do it. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to leave your home. You need to go travel. You need to go rescue. You need to, now you need to go circumcise. And here's the thing. The covenant is whenever a boy is eight days old, he gets circumcised. Luckily, they don't really remember that pain. But Abraham is 99. He also has to take Ishmael, get him circumcised, who's like a preteen at this point, and every male in Abraham's household. And we, if we go back a few chapters, remember, he at least had 318 soldier-ready men. There is a good number of guys in his household who are about to experience something out of this world. Can you imagine going up to the ranch hands and being like, all right, guys, put the horses away. We're going to go get the tip clipped. They're like, what? This guy's crazy. Has he finally lost it? But, uh, man, there's something about God and Abraham and his house that they, they say, yeah, all right, let's go. Let's do it. And he still doesn't quite know how it's going to work, but he's trusting. And he's not done. God, God has still got some other things for Abraham to do, which we're going to get into later after he has this son of promise, this son of of grace. Anyway, it's been a few days after he's been circumcised and he's hanging out by the Oaks of Mamre. And this location is mentioned a few times by name. And I, I, I don't necessarily know why, but I think the way that the Bible talks about it, it, it just kind of feels like it's Abraham's favorite place. Do you have just like your place where you go? Like, this is where I want to be when I'm going to rest, when I'm going to recover, when I just need some me time. I think that's the Oaks of Mamre. It's also the place where Abraham meets God. So God and a couple of his angel buddies show up while Abraham is, you know, getting through the last couple days of rest, recovery, and healing. And he He's still kind of, he, he notices them from a distance and he kind of, you know, carefully gets up out of his lawn chair, <clears throat> makes his way over and hobbling maybe a little bit, just, just to be extra careful. And hospitality is incredibly important to Abraham and incredibly important to God. We see in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the author tells us, hey, be hospitable because you never know when you just might be feeding and serving angels, which is actually what happens here. So Abraham gets up and says, hey, 
I'm so glad you guys are here. I don't know if Abraham knows it's God off the bat. We do know later in the conversation that he knows he's talking to God. So either he knows right away or somewhere in the conversation he realizes he's talking to God. But Abraham's first response is hospitality. So he gets up, invites them. Hey, why don't you guys stick around for lunch? So he goes into the tent, has Sarah um, rustle up some grub. And he brings it out to the picnic bench where they're all hanging out and enjoying a good lunch together. And then God does something that Abraham has been waiting for a long time. Abraham, excuse me, God finishes up his meal. Mm. My compliments to the chef. One of the angels says, eh, I've had better. <laughs> and, and God turns to Abraham and he says, look, uh, I'm going to come back in a year and Sarah is going to have a baby boy. What? Wait, what? You've been telling me about this promise for a long time. What about Ishmael? I I thought Ishmael might have been the son of promise. Hagar returned with Ishmael. Remember last week we talked with Brandon and she fled, but God sent her back. And I think there's been some reconciliation because God, Abraham views Ishmael as the son that God promised. He thinks this is where his lineage is going to come from. And God says, no, I told you, it's not going to be a son of your own efforts. I'm going to give you a son of grace and promise and power. It's not going to be something you were able to do on your own. I am going to do this for you. But I have heard your request to take care of Ishmael. I haven't forgotten him. I am going to use him to rise up a a very powerful nation, a very prominent nation in the world. And um, we will see later um, that his descendants actually settled up in areas in countries in the lands where the Muslims uh, rose in their prominence in the world. And the Muslim nation actually does tie their lineage to Ishmael, um, which is an interesting connection point there. And God says, I'll, I'll raise 12 princes out of Ishmael and they'll become a nation on their own. They will not be the nation that I promised. They will not be the nation that inherits the land of Israel, but I will bless them. I'll take care of them. But I am going to give you and Sarah your own son, and I will raise kings from him. And Sarah is like in the tent, like just kind of like quietly doing chores, you know, the dishes, but she's working extra hard not to clink the dishes so she can hear what's going on outside the tent. And when she hears her name, she perks up and she starts listening and I'll receive a son. And she laughs to herself. No, I stopped having my period decades ago. That's not even possible. That's never happened. I'm 80 years old, 80, I'm almost 90. I'm 89. Abraham is almost 100. How is that even possible? And I don't know if God overheard or he just knows because he's God, whatever the case may be. And he looks over at Abraham and he says, why did your wife laugh? Don't you guys know that nothing is too hard for God? And Sarah whips her head out, poking it through the tent. I didn't laugh. And he says, come on, son. Yes, you did. I know you laughed. I know that it's hard to believe, but don't lie. 
because I'll be back in a year and you will have a son, your very own son. And then he and his angel buddies get up, leave, they head for Sodom. And we're not going to cover that story uh, next week. If you want to hear the story of Lot and his two daughters, check out our first episode called Lot and His Two Daughters. God, his angel buddies leave. <clears throat> and Sarai, excuse me, Sarah has never had an encounter with God like this before. Abram's had a few encounters, a few conversations, a few meetings, but Sarah's never had her own. And so she is probably very shaken, very disturbed. Is God mad at me? Am I in trouble? And he just comforts her and puts his arms around her and says, babe, it's okay. He's good. He loves us. He takes care of us. He understands. Look, we've made mistakes before. He's still going to take care of us. It's okay. And he caresses her head and he leans in and kisses her cheek to comfort her. And she's kind of shaken and she's still upset. So he, he, he puts her face in his hands and he looks her in the eyes and then he kisses her on the lips. It's okay, babe. It's going to be all right. It's okay. And then she kisses him and they go back and forth. They embrace and the thought occurs, hey, we haven't had sex since I've been circumcised. Do you want to try out the new wheels? See what that's like? And uh, yeah, what happens after that, I guess we'll just have to see. But that is Genesis chapters 17 and half of 18. As God institutes circumcision, what it is and why that's part of the covenant. I have been your host, Jonathan, the dumb Christian. Be sure to read it for yourself because there's a lot there that I don't go into. And I also add my own little liberties. But uh, we'll catch you guys later. I love you guys. Whew, circumcision. Who wants to get that today? Not me. Uh <clears throat> Be sure to check out our YouTube Dumb Christian Podcast. We've got a lot going on there. Share this with your friends and your family so we don't go on this journey alone. We're just trying to explore the Bible, what is going on inside of it. Uh, when you do, be sure to hit subscribe, like, ring that bell. Here comes the butler. What do you want? I love you guys. Catch you later. Oh, oh, oh.